Good morning, everyone. The Mary Griffith Show is underway at Talk Radio 930 WTAD, sponsored each and every weekday morning by Harvest Ridge Coffee, a fine product of Refreshment Services Pepsi. Remember, Harvest Ridge is a premier coffee, roasted and delivered in small batches. They're always hand-roasted coffees. You can get the signature blend like we use right here at the Radio Ranch or perhaps a French roast, a Highlander Grog, an Extreme Blend, a Kona Blend, or a Colombian Supreme is more to your liking. Stop by your local convenience store and pick up a cup of Harvest Ridge coffee as you're out and about today or have it delivered right to your workplace like we do here at the Radio Ranch so you can have it every morning. Today is the day we talk with representatives of the Quincy Public Schools. Sarah Kramer is joining me, and we're going to learn all about her and what she does at the Quincy Public Schools, and then she has a lot of information to impart. So welcome back to the Mary Mary. Griffith Show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your job within the Quincy Public Schools? How long have you been holding that post? Just everything we need to know about Sarah Kramer. Well, I've been with Quincy Public Schools for approximately, I would say, 20 years. And I have been a classroom teacher. Get closer to that microphone. Put okay. the microphone to you. Okay. There you go. You're All right. Right there. Right there. Okay. Um, I've been with Quincy Public Schools for approximately 20 years. And um, anywhere my role has been within that 20-year span, a classroom teacher to a principal when we had K-3s. And then I headed on over to early childhood and family center about five years ago. And, of course, Full disclosure, early childhood is a near and dear place in my heart because my husband is a bus driver for early childhood. And I tell you, there's nothing that, I mean, every day is a wonderful day. When you have three and four and sometimes five-year-olds on your bus, those three and four-year-olds can come up with some real great things to tell Mr. Greg. So he's always keeping... He's always laughing, coming home with a story to tell about those little ones. They definitely keep a smile on your face and keep you on your toes. Um, they probably tell us some things that their parents and that their families would not want us to know. But we always just think, you know, it's from the eyes of a three- or four-year-old, and, and that's yep. the way that they're seeing the world. And so you just kind of tease through that information that they're giving us. But it's it's always a bright spot in my day being there at early childhood with our wonderful staff and our 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 great children and the families that we serve. Now, don't think just because they're three and four that they can't sass back or misbehave, because they can. But by and large, they're pretty compliant with the rules, and they're always glad to see you. And it's a lot different than the 13- and 14-year-old crowd. Yes, you're right, Mary. Um, I think the difference that um, is hard for maybe some three- and four-year-old um, parents and guardians is we're a school. We're not a daycare. So our... Our programming is a wonderful programming um, that we offer for the community of Quincy. It's free. There is no cost for any of our programming. And I've been on webinars throughout um, the state of Illinois, but with Head Start nationwide. And when I talk to other Head Starts, other pre-Ks across the country, um, the directors and um, Office of Head Start, Quincy, when we talk about what an asset it is to our program, they're always amazed that Quincy Public Schools is still able to provide transportation to our our 
our programming to our threes and our fours um, and not just a bus stop. It is door to door service where we we pull up in front of the house. We wait for the parent or guardian or someone over the age of 16 to bring the little one to the bus, board them on the bus, bring them to school and then back to door to door service. They're amazed also that um Quincy Public Schools, in collaboration with our programming at the early childhood level, the special education services that we are able to provide children who qualify OT, PT, um, speech and language, hearing impairment, vision impairment, it's amazing. So Quincy is very fortunate that we have such a quality program to be able to serve our children, to provide that school readiness um, so they're ready when they hit the doors at um, our, our K-5s. You know, and you bring up something that I thought was a state law, and that's why Quincy did it. I thought it was a state law that you had to do door-to-door service and that you had to have a rider on the bus. And so I thought that was a law because that's what Quincy does. And I was talking to some of my friends that live in southern Illinois, and they're like, no, our kid, mm-hmm. we, you know, they walked down to the bus stop, or we walked them down to the bus stop, and they got picked up, and there was just a bus driver on the thing, you know. And I'm like, well, that couldn't be true. It must be the law. But you're right. Quincy goes above and beyond. So Quincy's Absolutely. program goes above and beyond. Sarah Kramer, Director of Early Childhood here for the three- and four-year-olds in Quincy. And let's talk about something you said that is a sticking point for a lot of people. Sure. Early childhood education. This is not a babysitting service. This is not a child care where they might play little games together and watch a movie or something. This is a school. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is eligible to go to early childhood. You do have a limited number of students you can serve. And so it's critically important that people understand if you just want child care, Early childhood's not for you. And if you just want a babysitter, that's not early childhood either. These kids are expected to perform and to learn and to get ready to go to kindergarten. So talk about that aspect of it because I don't think a lot of people understand. They think that's just a big daycare center over there. They don't understand. It's a school. Yes, we are a school, and all of our grants say that our program is there because for Head Start, we are wanting to give our children a head start on schooling. Um, both grants that fund our programming, um, it is all about preparing children for school readiness. Um, school readiness even includes the functional skills, how to sit on the carpet during a read aloud while your teacher's reading, how to be able to sit on the carpet and listen to that story. We are teaching our children how to share um, with their peers, how to play with their peers, the interaction, um, how to, we're teaching them also about feelings and having those big feelings and how to handle those feelings um, so they can adapt in a social situation. Um, we are also, you know, through our read alouds, through our talking, through, yes, we do play as well. Um, every Classroom has motor time each day, so we're working on fine motor and gross motor skills. Um, We are also having play in the classroom because we know children develop through play, but it is structured and purposeful, intentional play that is developmentally appropriate for three 
and four-year-olds. It's just not a free-for-all where kids come in and get to play all day. Um, another perk of our program is our children in our Head Start program. They have um, lunch or breakfast in the morning, lunch in the afternoon, and snack. If they're a morning student only, it's breakfast and lunch. Afternoon Head Start children get um, lunch and a snack. Um, so during the meal time, people think we're crazy because we call that instructional time. That's a time that we're building that Laurel language, that vocabulary, building that sense of community in our classroom. So every part of our day is learning. It might look different than a K-5, but we are learning. It's just not unstructured play. Everything we do, it is structured. It is intentional because we're building skills that they will need when they hit the doors that are K-5s. Do and you serve lunch in the classroom or do they go to a lunch room? Yes, ma'am. We serve lunch in the classrooms and we put all the food in bowls like you would at a dinner table for a family style meal. And we teach the children to use the utensils, how to serve the green beans on their plate. Okay, we take one scoop of green beans and then we pass it to our classmate who is sitting next to us. Um, we teach them how to serve, how to use the utensils correctly, um, manners that they're going to need um, in society. Um, we also talk to them like you would at a family-style meal. We're listening to them tell us stories and talk about their day or, or their animals at home or what did they like about our school day. Um, anything that kids want to, to share with us are through um, purposeful questioning. Um, we learn just as much as about them as they do about us. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a learning time. This is why it's so important for the parents to have buy-in because you're describing <laughs> being respectful, using appropriate etiquette for a three or four year old, learning how to pass and share food. Sometimes these skills are not modeled in their home. However, talk to me, talk to the public about how do you bridge the cultural gap between people who eat with their fingers at home and you have to use a spoon and a fork at early childhood, people who use foul language at home and that is not allowed at early childhood, people who hit or physically harm at home and that is not allowed at early childhood and I'll preface that with a great story of course from my husband uh, one day this little boy and girl were sitting next to each other on the bus and this little boy was just wailing on this little girl I mean you know not but I mean hitting her pretty hard and Greg said oh no 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 we don't hit our friends and the little boy goes she's not my friend like that and Greg goes well we don't hit our classmates and he said she's not our, my classmate she's my sister <laughs> never hit his friend he would have never hit his classmate but going home I guess he thought at school behind okay. me I can revert back to pounding and my little sister so we had to learn no 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 we never do that but we especially don't do it on the bus so it is a cultural norm you are trying to impose an etiquette and standard of performance that may or may not be what is modeled in their home but you're trying to get the parents on board I'm sure 
Sure we are. Um, Everything we do at Early Childhood is a teaching and learning experience. So as as you said, Greg had a little one, two little ones that were siblings on the bus. And, you know, he's using that as a teaching experience of, you know, you might be able to do that at home. We never condemn the homes or, you know, school has our rules homes have your rules and while you're in the home we respect the rules that you you have in your home that's your choice but at school um, we first and foremost look out for the safety um, and the well-being for all of our children and um, so we teach that everything we do it's taught and it is purposeful and intentional teaching so you know bathrooming we are teaching how to potty train. You might not choose to potty train in your home, but while they're with us for that two and a half, three hours in the morning or the afternoon or with their, with us all day, we are going to work with um, our, our children while they're there to potty train that, you know, and we will communicate with the parents what we're doing and try to work together on that the best that we can. Um, for behavior, of course, we are in contact with our families. Our teachers are calling families, talking about what is developmentally appropriate behavior and teaching that. Um, so um, we are teaching how a community looks, how it should be, and um, sometimes we have to go beyond that and provide interventions and you know we provide check-in check-out we provide um, sage group social and emotional group um, to help work on that we have a social worker at school who also works with them every classroom another thing for early childhood is we have um, six family support workers and they are going into the homes and they are the bridge really between the home and the school, you know, they are talking to, they're doing home visits, they're interacting with the families frequently, and so they know what's going on in the homes, what the parents will, will share, and what our, our family support workers see, and we respect that. Um, however, it is our job to protect the well-being of all children and keep them safe and keep our staff safe. We're talking today with Sarah Kramer, and she's the director of early childhood for three- and four-year-olds and some five-year-olds here in Quincy. And, of course, there's early childhood programs at most school districts, so this is nothing new just to Quincy, but Quincy does a great job of it. You've noticed we've talked a lot about social and emotional and behavioral learning. I think they probably learn what a purple triangle is, too, and we'll talk about that because Academics used to be what we thought about with school, but now we understand that we can't just teach them academic principles. If they can't get along and interact and behave in the classroom, they can't learn and their peer group can't learn. And it's critical that they're going to be in class the rest of their young adult life. They got to get along, go along, get along so that they can all strive to excellence together. We'll be right back. We're back. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. My guest today is the Director of Early Childhood for Quincy, Sarah Kramer. Now, Quincy's program is bigger and uh, in some ways uh, maybe more complex, but bottom line is 
No matter where you're listening to the WTAD Mary Griffith Show, there is a program for three- and four-year-olds in your community to give them a good head start on school. And we know that there are some kids who are behind the eight ball right away because they were born with a learning disability or a birth defect or perhaps they're a little bit intellectually challenged and we really don't know the extent of that. I'm sorry. Testing cannot tell you what your potential is going to be. So the more you give to a three- and four-year-old now instead of saying, oh, well, they probably won't ever be able to accomplish this. I mean, if everybody who had a diagnosis from the doctor that said you may not walk said, well, then we just won't try to teach our kid to walk. We'll just abandon all hope. That would not happen. Parents aren't that way. So we want to always try to do the most we can for kids within the limitations. And some of that is emotional. Some of that is academic. But let's talk about what you teach kids when they're three years old, because those little sponges can tell you every single song that they hear on TV, on their Mm -hmm. cartoon shows. They can repeat every word or even conversations that mommy and daddy have when you don't think they're listening. So I surely they can figure out what a purple triangle is. So how does it work academically? Sure. Academically, believe it or not, that we are teaching science. We are teaching social studies, um, literacy and math, um, physical movement, music. Um, we are teaching all, all of that and more. Um, but it, it comes through play. So... Um, we are teaching them, as you said, songs are great, finger plays. Um, we don't use technology at early childhood that much. It's If they're in a pre-K program, it's limited to five minutes a day or 30 minutes a week. That's part of the regulation of the grant. Um, I will have to say there's too many three, fours, and fives coming in with technology. They're glued to that screen. And um, that's hindering their their language development um, and their growth in the academics as well. I, yeah. And that's very difficult because that screen is such a good babysitter. You know, it's one thing to have it in the doctor's office so they'll be quiet. But there's nothing like having a conversation. Kids are not learning to speak. And what really frustrates me, and of course I've never had children, so as you know I'm an expert on raising them. (laughs) Never having had any, I can just tell you exactly what you should do to be the perfect mother. But I'll watch people in a restaurant and the mother will mother or father will be on their screen and the Mm -hmm. kid will be begging for their attention like, Why is this pink? Or what why that looks what are they having? You know, I've never seen that before, a big stack of onion rings or something. And the parents are could not be any less interested in answering their questions. So that natural inquisitiveness is being beaten out of kids by neglect. And like you said, I'm so glad that you don't do because it's much better for them to play and talk to their fellow student or talk to their teacher. Mm-hmm. You talk about science, they're always curious about why things happen. I mean, the sure. first time they see snow, that sparks a whole conversation. What is that? How does it happen? And why isn't it in July? You know, there's all kinds of learning moments that parents used to do with their own children. And it seems to me we're not doing that as much anymore. Parents are busy working. I understand that. But they're also glued to their devices. Mm-hmm. And kids don't have anyone to talk to them. That is, that's correct, Mary. And I will, you know, it started off, I'm going to bring up a bad word is the pandemic, um, that where, where we were all isolated, um, and 
we were off for that short time, and we are very blessed that Quincy Public Schools brought us back to school during um, the pandemic when some schools were still not in session, and um, our children had the opportunity to interact um, with their peers and the adult staff at school. However, um, parents are their child's first teacher, and they are definitely going to do what you model for them. And um, so if I could give one piece of advice, if you're not going to take devices, tablets, technology away, limit it um, because it is affecting child development. Um, you know, handing a screen to a, 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 a toddler, a child that young, um, it is detrimental to their development. Now, though, people, people who will argue but say, but no, 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 uh, my kid can, uh, can recognize the word duck because there's a duck on the screen and the word duck is written above it, I would say model what your kids are doing after. Don't do anything they wouldn't do on PBS. Isn't PBS kind of the perfect, even though it's a screen, mm-hmm. you know, PBS is kind of the perfect thing because the characters actually talk to the kids. Do you see the green block? You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, yeah, everything you need to learn, we all learned before there was radio, television, or screens. So all we have to do is talk to each other and show them something, and they'll ask questions, and they'll learn. They'll learn the shapes. They'll learn the colors. They'll learn words. Your vocabulary is so set by the time you're five years old Mm -hmm. that it's quite frightening how really illiterate now the 12- and 20-year-old crowd is. It's not their fault. They didn't learn anything. They played the same video game over and over again. They only learned the few skills taught on that one video game. I mean, if Mario Kart is all you know, how are you going to know any other words? I mean, you'll know how to spell Mario. Well, okay, that that can be helpful as an adult, but I don't think it's the whole kit and caboodle. So is it getting harder to teach three-year-olds because there's too many distractions? (laughs) I would say it is uh, more difficult to teach because children, their brain, it's that animation and their brain is set to that. Um, Rather than their own animation in their own head. Their own imagination of what ducks look like. Or their mm-hmm. own imagination when a story is read of what something looks like. Instead, all they know is what they've seen on television mm-hmm. or held in their screen. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I know, as I'm a mom, and I know I'm guilty of it sometimes with, with my own children. Oh, they can have their tablet. Or they can have their cell phone. They're 13 and 14. But the the brain development at birth through five, that is where you're going to get the most growth. And so we really need to, that human interaction is what our children need um, to grow and develop. It's, it's just a, a truism. So these three- and four-year-olds, they have to be selected for the program because there are a limited number of spaces. So they have to be selected for a program. This is a federally funded, by and large, program, right? Um, we have the state of Illinois funds pre-K, and our federal, the federal government pre, uh, funds Head Start. And then our district, we are blessed in Quincy, Illinois, and Quincy Public Schools going above and beyond again. Um, we have many people that call us each year to come visit our transitional kindergarten, um, which is a program that the district funds um, because we saw our data showed us 
us that our, we had some children who were not quite ready for kindergarten. Um, so it was a gift of time. And so we have a small group of children who attend Quincy Public Schools that will be provided with the opportunity for transitional kindergarten. So we have wonderful, wonderful programs Instead all in one building. Instead of held back, they're put into kindergarten, but they're put into kindergarten at the Early Childhood Center. And if they progress, they can go then to Rooney or, you know, another great story. You know, Greg's one day his little kid gets on and goes, Mr. Greg, I'm not going to see you anymore. I'm too smart for this school. I'm going to Rooney. <laughs> yes. So it's a great thing for them. And if they need that little extra boost, they need that little extra. The other thing that has always bothered me, and again, you know, I've never had kids, so I've never had to deal with this, is this reluctance to hold children back. I mean, yes, if you're held back when you're in eighth grade, I can see that that could be socially and emotionally very bad. But who cares? If, you know, you repeat your third, your three-year-old year or your four-year-old year, I mean, why is there such a, we've got to keep going? I mean, first of all, the difference between girls and boys just generally is great. And then the difference between, you could take a group of four-year-olds, you could take 100 four-year-olds, mm-hmm. and, you know, the... The difference between their development on every level, academically, socially, physically, whatever, would be very wide. Why mm-hmm. are we always trying to say, if you're three years old, you have to do this. If you're four years old, you have to do this. If you're five years old, you have to do this. Because if you don't get it right when you're three, four, and five, you can't really make it up when you're seven, eight, and nine. No, what we're trying to do is we know that every child develops differently and at their own speed. And... um we do a, a great job of meeting children individually where they're at. And um, I, don't, I think it's a social stigma for, um, and it, it's the system. It's been the way that it's been set up in, in the past, and it continues. Um, so if I, I mean, I would say to parents, you have to look at each one of your children individually and I think we all want the same end goal we want your child to be successful and reach their fullest potential and that's going to look different for Mary than it does for Sarah Um, and we offer the program at transitional kindergarten we're filling in um, I would say the gaps the developmental gaps that a child might have the best of our ability within our program and by the second part of the year we are touching on beginning kindergarten skills. Now, that's not saying that they're going to skip kindergarten when they get to the K-5, because that probably won't happen if they're staying back at transitional kindergarten. But your child is most likely going to be a leader academically, social, emotionally, when they hit kindergarten. Um, And we disperse all of our children into five different buildings. So socially, they're going to be with a different group of kids than they were with at early childhood. Um, I think it's up to each family to look at what's best for their individual child and weigh all of the pieces that go into making that decision. Um, I will tell you, you said, you know, younger boys and younger girls. A lot of our population that make up transitional kindergarten are little boys and little girls who have July and August birthdays. They're just not developmentally ready yet. And so that gives them the gift of time to build those skills and be successful. Um, yeah, I mean, a month, you know, I'm going to be 65 in April, and you won't see any difference 
the day after my birthday and the day before my birthday. But on uh, April 25th, 1960, I changed a lot from the day I was born to the day I turned one. So, you know, it's everything is moving at such an accelerated pace. And if you're not quite up to average, you know, whatever that is, you know, because in true in true reality, everything is set to kind of reach for the average. You know, there'll always be high, highly exceptionally children. There'll always be lower children. Mm-hmm. But everything kind of comes to to the average. So if you're really, really way far above, I know uh, recently having a discussion with the family, they're going to advance their child. They're going to skip second grade. They just feel like, wow, you know, this kid is so far advanced. Second grade's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may struggle a little bit the first couple of weeks in third grade, but that's okay. You know, they'll they'll make it. And then other people are like, man, we got to, I mean, we got to put the brakes on here because this is not working. And the frustration level is, is unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's, kids get frustrated. And that goes back, they do get frustrated. And that goes back to, we want your child successful in their situation, whether it's at early childhood or anywhere across Quincy Public Schools or whatever school system you decide for your child. We want them successful, and that frustration leads to behaviors because that's how they communicate with us. Well, let's talk about behaviors. And one thing that busy parents with young, young children, uh, they lose track of time. Mm-hmm. And they know their kid's going to be going to, is going to be three years old and wants to go to early childhood in August, but they forget to get them tested. They forget to get them registered. They forget to get them ready. This causes a nightmare. You've got to have a slot for them. They've got to know their teacher. They've got to get ready. They've got to know things. So talk a little bit about some upcoming events that will help the parents get their kids ready to take advantage of this, like you said, this great early intervention of Head Start. Sure. Um, Pre-K for all and Head Start, they determine the guidelines that we have to go by for enrollment of our children, for your child to qualify. So you just can't come in and say, um, Miss Sarah, we would like to put our, our child in your school. Um, there's a process that we go through, and um, as I said, the criterion um, is set by federal and state guidelines. And we take that criteria and we also do the dial assessment um, to provide you information where your children are performing developmentally and if they qualify for our programming. So each month we have um, screening at early childhood and that's September through May. In the month of May we are adding additional screenings um, so our community members can have their children screened and determine if they qualify for our programming. Um, In the month of June, we will have two days where we do screening um, as well. June is our last screening for fall enrollment. So it's very important that as soon as your child turns three, you bring them in and get them screened. Even if they don't qualify for our program, you're going to know where your child is developmentally and where to go um, and what to do for your child. But part of our screening process, you call 217-228-7121, and you ask to speak to Mr. Glenn or the secretaries can help you schedule a screening. I will tell you, our screenings are all full until April. And so we are adding extra screening. So the moment, if you know your child is turning three, 
at the end of February, you should have already called and got your child on our screening for March. So community members, please start thinking about that now. Call, get them screened. Make your appointment before your child's third birthday. We will screen their screen them once they've turned three on that month's screening date, as long as you have an appointment. Your job, your responsibility as the parent is to make sure that you bring the following documents with us. This is not a Quincy Public School requirement. This is grant requirements that we must have on file because we are audited. You must have your child's most recent physical Great time to see your doctors for well visits. Um, dental. If you don't have a dental, we have ways that we work with. We have um, a resource that we bring into school, Safari Dental. We just have to have parent permission for those checkups, and we'll do that in December of this coming year. So that will help you out. They also have dentists at our community health fair in August. So that piece, we can we can wait a little bit on that piece. You must have your most updated immunization records turned on, as well as two forms of the adult's income. If you're not working, you just sign uh, with Mr. Glenn a form that states that you are not employed, but any type of income you receive um, from working or assistance, you need to report that with Mr. Glenn, and then your child's original birth certificate. If you do not have all of those pieces turned in, your child may not start school when they're projected to start because the grant says we have to have all of that in, and again, we are audited. So if you want your child to attend early childhood, call 217-228-7121 and schedule a screening. We will screen your child. The screeners will inform you if your child is accepted into our program based off of the criterion, and then um, we will let you know when they can start. Okay. And remember, it's not necessarily low-income children only. Children can be from very high-income families and still have some developmental delays. And get your kids screened because the best thing will be like, oh, my child has right on target. Or if there is a problem, don't you want to know it when they're three? Why wait until later? So it's just a a great way to go. Thank you so much, Sarah Kramer. Folks out there, remind everybody you know in your neighborhood, if you know somebody that's got a two-year-old, say, hey, 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 I don't know when the birthday is, but let's try to remember to call early childhood and get that screening. You get the screening whether they're going to go to school there or not. It's just a great idea to get a screening. Yes, tell your friends and families. it's never too early to think about it, even if you don't want them to come with us in the three when they're three, but you want them there when you were four. Um, go ahead and get that screening so we can get you on our wait list and get you in. Tell your friends and family in the community of uh, Quincy, and um, Quincy Public Schools does a wonderful job providing this service. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary.